This evening we are looking at session number 10 in our series of studies on kingdom values and we are looking at this evening on the value of authenticity. Authenticity or being real, you know, being real. Now, I'm sure no one likes a fake. Even in our Photoshop, airbrush culture, we despise counterfeits. Everyone wants to be real. But sad to say, in the social media world today, everybody wants to portray that they are real. Now, they present maybe you know, one side of their lives. And depending upon you know, how people react to that, what people say about that, they want to make sure that they are appearing real to people. Now, if you notice, you know, that's what we, it will always be presented on the social media, isn't it? You know, not much of you know, what you are going through, but much of what has happened, as it were, in terms of the good things of life. So that you want to show, present to the people photos and links, you know, so that you know they will be able to say, "Hey, so and so, you know, life is going on well with this person." Because we want people to accept us. But if you notice, when it comes to biblical, you know, true biblical living, Jesus said, "In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see what your good deeds." and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus did not say, let your light so shine so that they see the good side of you. you know? Jesus said, let your light so shine so that they may see your good deeds. And your good deeds basically are rising from the one who is good in you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20 that you will recognize them by their fruits. In other words, fruit is the evidence of a tree that has life. So if you're speaking about authenticity this evening and we're looking at being real, we are really speaking about an individual who has a real relationship with God and that is seen outside by his lifestyle, by his behavior, by what he or she posts maybe also on social media and your response to what people post also. Now, all that shows who you really are inside. Remember, we are familiar with the parable of the four soils, and you know, only one of that soil is actually the good soil. All the other soils does bear fruit a little, you would say, but then it all dies. But it's only one soil, the good soil, that produces the good crop. So Jesus is telling us, even this evening, check up whether we are real. When we say we are a Christian, who is really living inside of us. Jesus is not equating professing faith you know, with possessing faith, but he's actually warning us and saying, hey, check up, check up. You know. Real is something that you can see. Real is something that others can also see in you. Real is more than just the outward extending, attending of a church you know, or feeling good about God or accepting Christ as your savior. It goes beyond being baptized or receiving communion or saying the creed or even joining in a church. As important as all these things are, being real goes far, far deeper than all these external things. So let's look at this evening in our lives. What does it really mean to be authentic, to be 
real? And how can we bridge the gap between what people see as they peer, look into our lives, and what Jesus said they should actually see? The dictionary meaning of the word uh, authentic means conforming to fact and therefore worthy of trust, reliance, or belief. Conformity to fact, to the truth. And the second meaning is being so, in fact, not fraudulent or counterfeit. And we could put it together in a, in a simple format being, you know, not fake, not fake, okay? Or not being a, in a, a poser, not just showing, you know, something which you really are not. Authenticity always then begins with an inside job. If you are not real inside, you're not, you cannot you know, show anything outside. And even though it may appear to be real, that's not real. But if you are real inside, it has to be seen outside. And this is a work that only God can do. Only God can make us real. Only God can make us authentic. Only God can actually transform our hearts so that when people look at us, they look at the real you. And that's what being the salt and the light of the world is all about okay now in that drive for you know, to be real okay people can get off track because as i mentioned in the beginning nobody wants a fake so we all want to be real but in the desire to be real people can take two extremes you know which you know can land them up in trouble today we are living in the mantra, if you were to say, of a self-centered authenticity, where people will say, be true to yourself, be true to yourself. And that's why we have so much of, you know, in a way, problems in the world also, because people say, be true to yourself, you know, if you feel this is what you want to do, go ahead, be true to yourself, you know. So that be true to yourself is actually centered more on a, a self, you know, it is not centered on God. But it's only when we center our lives on being real with God, then that is true authenticity. Now, first of all, counterfeit authenticity will basically say something like this, which would say, I don't feel I can be authentic around others who are more put together than me, so I put on a face. Okay? So I appear to people who seem to be real that I am real. But this is very, very exhausting you know because how far can you pretend you know, that you are somebody which you are not so in order to continue to sustain this put on what does the person do they isolate themselves from community and get into a thought to say look here you know i'm really real you know this is how i feel so i'm going to cut off myself but those guys are not real they're just putting on okay so this actually, you know, is stemming from an unhealthy view of self, which basically says, I don't like who I am and I want to hide. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid, isn't it? They hid behind in the garden. Why did they hide? Because they recognized something was wrong. Okay, They didn't just come out into the open. They realized that they were naked. And as a result, they hid in the garden now we must remember that we all fall short you know we all fall short and we all need the lord in our lives but there's a big difference between you know the hiding in the fig leaves of our own making and 
being clothed by the righteousness of Jesus. Now, yes, we do go through times, areas in our lives when sin can enter in. But in those times, instead of confronting it, if we just present it to say, hey, everything is all fine, when we put on false faces, then we are not being real. We are actually hiding behind fig leaves. And the more we do that in the group, it becomes an environment, if you were to say, everybody then you know, does that. So we can go through life trying to appear before people that everything is fine. In reality, nothing is fine. That is why suddenly you'll hear people about, you know, committing suicide. You may say, everything seemed to be fine with this person. What happened? What happened was, so far, it was really only a show. They were not really being real. The struggles that they were going through, they had kept to themselves, they had isolated themselves. And as a result, they came, it came to a time in which they felt the tension was too much and they said, forget it. Now, the second wrong aspect, if you were to say, this is rather extreme, which is called as complacent authenticity. Complacent authenticity, which will basically say, I don't pretend, you know, to be put together. I don't pretend that things are all fine with me. I'm saying that life is a mess. But they say, God loves me just as I am. I'm not going to change because after all, God loves me. So, yes, I am a mess. And as a result, complacent authenticity celebrates messiness as ideal qualities in those individuals who are real. But when a person says, God loves me just as I am, what they are really saying is, I don't want to change. I don't need to change. You know, That is who I am. So that's how I will be. But that is definitely, again, dangerous. The scripture tells us that sin should not reign over us. By the death and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus has died for us on the cross so that we don't have to be who we are. We have to be whom God wants us to be. And that is what God wants us to do, which is genuine uh, uh, authenticity, true authenticity. Now, when distortions of you know, authenticity is focusing more on yourself, but true authenticity is focusing on who God is and what he wants us to be. Putting it all together in a, in a nutshell, I would say, God created us in his image. But then sin entered into the world, and as a result, we became sinful and broken. Now, we have two options. We can tell people or appear to people that, no, no, everything is fine with me. Or we can come to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I thank you that you took my place so that this sin can be removed and I can have life within. And when we do that, then God by his Holy Spirit restores us and changes us into his likeness and image. So authenticity starts with being real with God. It starts with being real with God. God has created us in his image. So don't say God has created a mess and that's how I am. That's how I will be. Now, God has created us in his image. And one of the reasons so many people struggle with being authentic in their faith 
is that they are not really being authentic in their private life, you know, in their relationship with God. Just to give you an example, okay. Now, when it comes to our prayer life, okay, sometimes when you are called to pray, people will, you know, pray, you know, like Jesus mentioned, you know, about they love to pray, they love using, you know, uh, repetitions, they love maybe using a lot of flowery language, okay. But being real with God is sitting down and talking with Him, sitting down and talking with Him. It is not a question of, you know, trying to impress people with our language or Christian jargon. But prayer is basically sitting and chatting with God. So when you, if you consider prayer as an example, if you're real with God in your prayer lives, if you notice in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, and I says, come, let us reason together. That's what the King James says, you know. Another translation says, I invite you to come and talk it over. Another uh, translation says, come, let's sit down, okay, and let's talk it out or let's argue it out. In other words, this passage is telling us the Lord wants us to be real with him. And if you notice, the Psalms are basically that, isn't it? You know? Psalms are basically pouring out our realness before God. So if we have that realness, authentic faith in us, we are real with God. And as we are real with God, God begins to be real with us. And then the genuine, authentic faith is then seen outside. So let's be sure, even this evening, that our faith is authentic. That we are not putting a show. That we are not appearing to people that you know, we are very, very good Christians. You know, but inside, there is no life within. So what is biblical authenticity? What is biblical Authenticity. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and come follow after me. Let's look at this verse. Three sections in that verse gives us an, a, a clue about what biblical authenticity is all about. The first one is to be vulnerable. To be vulnerable. Deny yourself daily. Deny yourself daily. Don't push yourself up. Don't say that I am great. Don't say that this is who I am and this is how I will be. No. Deny yourself basically is, means you know, to say, Lord, there are areas in my life that I am not what I should be. And I'm open before you, acknowledging that I need you. And as we do this, then the Lord begins to change us. But as long as we are saying, no, no everything is fine with me, what happens? Our faith is not real. So let's learn to be vulnerable before God and also to be vulnerable before people, to acknowledge before people, hey, I need your help. In these areas, won't you pray for me so that I may be able to overcome these habits or I may be able to grow into a deeper walk with God. As we are vulnerable with one another and with God, we find that there's a reality that sets in. Secondly, Embrace the tension. Embrace the tension. The second part of that verse is take up the cross daily. Take up the cross daily. Now, how do we get the embrace the tension part over here? When we want to be real, not all the other people want to be real, isn't it? Okay. So we need to be willing to respond rightly, you know, whether the others 
are going to accept that or not accept that, whether they're going to encourage that or not encourage that. We must be willing to take that step and you know, to say, Lord, whatever it costs, I'm going to take up this cross. I want to be real, Lord. I want my faith to be real. And as a result, whether others are going to join or others are not going to join, I'm not you know, worried about that. I want to take up my cross daily and live with that you know, an attention, if you were to say, hey, this is how the world says it is real, but no, the Bible says this is what is real, and I'm going to follow in this direction. And thirdly, to follow Jesus daily, to follow Jesus daily. As we go through this process you know, of you know, giving ourselves in vulnerability before God and being willing to live with that tension of this, what the world says, but no, this is what God says. God says, as we begin to go in the right direction, follow Jesus daily, there will be a recovering of our story, or there will be in a coming onto the right track. There'll be more of the realness that we can experience of who God is in our lives and the fruit that we will see. And then we'll be able to share that fruit with others and others will enjoy it. Now that's what we want our lives to be, isn't it? We want our lives to be real. We want our lives to be a, a blessing to others. But it all starts off with that internal work that God has to do. That internal work where God says, be real with me. So even this evening, let's you know, check into our lives about our faith and find out whether we have the marks of authentic faith. Whether we are really living with the assurance you know, that yes, you know, my God is real. I'm having a vital relationship with him, and I can see that my God is real by what he is doing in my life. Not what I'm doing of all the external things, but what he is doing of how he is changing my life into his likeness and image. If you notice Paul when he was here on earth, even though he was, if you were to say, you know, the greatest scholar, the greatest missionary, the greatest preacher, greatest teacher, when he writes to the Corinthian church, he says, I came to you in weakness, in fear and in trembling, in fear and in trembling. You know? He says, I don't know all the answers. You know? He says, acknowledging that he was real with the people. He was also real with God. So let's look at you know, three characteristics you know, of biblical authenticity. Number one, our lives must be gospel-centered and not me-centered. Paul makes this clear. Right? He says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the power so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. So what are you saying here? Listen, huh? I came to you not because I know the stuff. I came to you because my focus is on God. And I wanted to communicate this life of God with you. It didn't depend upon my oration. It didn't depend upon my you know, preaching, teaching skills. You know. It depended solely because I depended on God to use what I, you know, God had given me to share with you so that your life could be transformed. He was not looking at himself. He was not looking at the credit that he will get. No, his whole desire 
of being real was so that credit would go to God. The fruit of what God is doing in our lives is the only way where we would know if our life is continually being transformed by the gospel. Look back into your life, you know, even from this last year or two years, okay, has your life been changed? Yes, you have been attending Bible studies. Yes, you have been attending fellowships. Yes, you have been reading your Bible and praying. But if your faith is real, there will be fruit. There will be changes. If there's no changes that is taking place, chances are it's just a show. You may think you're real, but it's not real. Because true reality produces fruit. True reality produces fruit. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 tells us, We have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. What is he saying? He's saying, look here, I'm just a clay jar. Clay jar can easily be broken. But the power that is inside is the power of God. Can you say that about yourself this evening? That there is God's power in my life. Who am I? I'm just a nobody. But God is living in me and he is the one who is changing. He is the one who is changing my mind. He is the one who is changing my attitude. He is the one who is changing my thoughts. My life has become different because God is real in my life. Secondly, our life should model humility and pride, not pride. Our life should model humility and not pride. In his book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, Tim Keller, Keller, the author, writes, spiritual pride is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own sense of self-worth, and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. That is spiritual pride. That is spiritual pride. Always trying to prove ourselves and to others, you know, and maybe even to God, you know, that we are somebodies. Okay? But, you know, reality says, hey, look here, I'm a nobody, Lord. I come in humility before you and say, Lord, you be the somebody in my life. You take my life and use me, change me the way you would want to. And as we are real before God, we say, Lord, I cannot do anything in this life without you, Lord. And as we are humble before him, God becomes real in our lives. Thirdly, our lives must be sincere. Our lives must be sincere. <coughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 tells us, But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and a pure devotion to Christ. God wants us to have a sincere and a pure devotion to Christ. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, a sincere faith. If somebody had to describe you in different words, would sincerity be one of those words? Because here is a person who is sincere in their walk with God, in their walk with people. Sincerity is our ability to live honest lives without hypocrisy. And because we act as if we have all the answers, we oftentimes rob God of his glory 
because they see a finished product instead of a work in progress. Sincerity means to be honest before God and before people. And this is how Paul summarizes in a, his life, where he says, not that I have already reached the goal or have already become perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of that which have been taken hold by Christ Jesus. Think of it, Paul, I don't know, at the end of his life, he says, I've not really made it, guys. You know, I'm still reaching forward. I'm still reaching forward. That is what authenticity is all about. Let me close then this evening with some practical steps to take off our masks, to take off our masks. If you're living with masks in this world, appearing before people, hey, this is what my real me is, you know, but you're going through struggles inside and you're frustrated with life, you know, let's make sure that we take off our masks. The longer you wear your mask, the more comfortable they will feel. But you can't enjoy healthy relationships unless you remove the mask and show others who you really are. So practical steps. Number one, realize the price of the mask you wear. Realize the price of the mask you wear or the consequences that you have to pay. Understand that your masks are actually preventing you from experiencing an intimacy with God. And rather than trying to impress God, you know, be real with him. Because masks are actually preventing us from pleasing God. Instead of, you know, vying for other people's approval and praise, live to praise and you know, please God and God alone. So learn to live without masks. Yes, we are living in a, in a mass society with all the pandemic, but that's not the mask that we are speaking about, isn't it? appearing before people, you know, something that we are not. And the more that we do that, you know, the tension is constantly there. So let's learn to, you know, take off all those external masks and come before God and be real before Him. Secondly, understand that your mask prevents you from experiencing intimacy in relationships with people as well. Rather than trying to prove your value to other people, Simply learn to connect with them. Learning and trying to you know, uh, appear before people that you, know, you are somebody of value, just be friends with them. You know, and then let them see the value that you really have. Don't try to impress people. Thirdly, ask deep questions. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions <coughs> about your existence, about your worth, about your emotions, about your thoughts, about your purpose, you know, learn to ask questions, because the more questions that you ask, the more answers you would find, and don't, you know, you know, just keep on asking questions, find answers to those questions in God's word, because as you have the questions, you don't ask them, it will lead to doubt, but when you have those questions, you know, about who am I really, what am I going through, find answers, you know, in God's word. And then that helps you to be real. Fourthly, embrace the biblical view of self-esteem. <laughs> the biblical view of self-esteem. Base your self-esteem on God's love for you instead of just your love for yourself. You know, you know. Remember, biblical self-esteem says, I have been created in 
God's image. I'm valuable to God, so much of value that God sent his very own son to die on the cross for me and rise again for me. That's biblical self-esteem. So when you have questions, who am I really? And I'm just a speck in this world, you know. No, I'm created in God's image, you know. Who am I? Self-esteem. I'm a nobody. No, I'm a somebody because I've been created in God's image. He loves me. When you go through questions, does anybody love me at all? Because everybody is shunning me. No, no. Biblical self-esteem says, no, God loves me irrespective of what the world thinks about me. Fifthly, discover your purpose. Discover your purpose. When you remember that God has made you in his own image and you are valuable to God for who you are and not for what you do, then it provokes you to say, Lord, if you love me so much, what can I do to show you back that I love you too? And God will say, hey, this is what I created you for. Fulfill that purpose. And when we fulfill that purpose, it brings joy to God's heart. It also brings joy to our own heart. So learn to discover your purpose of living. Why has God kept you in this world? You know, Ask God. As God guides you, as you begin to fulfill that purpose, then you're no longer putting on masks. This is my purpose. Everybody else may do something else. This is what God has created me for. And as you fulfill that, the reality comes in. Number six. Ask God to make his purposes for your life clear and help you to fulfill them as well. It's one thing, God has shown me what I have to do. But don't think that God has shown you what you do and then left it up to you to fulfill it. No, God is also going to help you to fulfill it as well. So learn to depend on God for that. Seventhly, trade lies for the truth about yourself. Now, if Satan comes and puts all these you know, lies into your mind and says, you, know, you are a sinful person, you, know, you are you know, in control of your life, you know, the world revolves around you, you, know, you have all these strengths. No, no. Remember, all these things are our strengths come from God. We are not in control of our lives. God is in control of our lives. You know. Yes, you know, there may be sin in our lives, but as we confess it before God, God forgives us and cleanses us. So when Satan puts doubts and fears and lies into our mind, we confront those with the truth of God's word. We don't continue to believe in the lie and just cover it up, you know, and just somehow keep living. No, you know, exchange that lie for the truth, then reality sets in. Number eight. Instead of trying to feel good about yourself, seek to experience the reality of God's goodness to you. So the, let the focus be not the feel good about myself, but the reality be God is good to me. Like we often say for that song, isn't it? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. So the more you focus on that, the reality of who God is and our relationship with him steps into place. Number nine, find real confidence. Find real confidence. You know? Stop pretending to be someone you are not. You know? And find your confidence you know, in who you are in Christ. You know? 
And the more confidence you have, not in yourself, but in who you are in Christ, you know, you'll be able to you know, go through life in spite of the pressures, in spite of the tensions, being real in an unreal world. Number 10, place your confidence in God by taking the risks you sense Him leading you to take. Be willing to relinquish everything that keeps you placing your confidence in yourself. It could be your accomplishments, it could be your knowledge, you know, it could be your personality, it could be your appearance, it could be your possessions, it could be your education, it could be your status. Whatever you are facing your confidence in, be willing to give that up and say, Lord, my confidence is not in this. My confidence is in you. Like Paul could say, all these things is like rubbish to me, you know. My confidence, Lord, is only in you. And that's what reality is all about. Number 11, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Pray for the strength to be humble. Be gracious to people who offend you and be willing to say, I'm sorry when you offend others. You know, Choose to see other people with the same value that you give to yourself, remembering that it's only God's grace that prevents you from being the worst of sinners. If it was not for God's grace, you'd have been like one of those people. So learn to be humble before God. You've done some wrong, don't keep hiding it. Don't put on a mask and say everything is okay. No, learn to say sorry. That helps you to be real. Number 12, ask God to help you see him more clearly and expect that as you grow in your knowledge of how wonderful God is, you'll be humbled by how much you need him. There's so much to know about God. There's so much of you know, realness that needs to come into our lives. Let's hunger for that. As God's word says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. Number 13, pursue transformed relationships. Look for relationships that will help you in your journey to be real. The more you hang out, with real people, the desire for realness would also come in. But the more you hang out with fake people, you know, counterfeit people, you will relax. You will maybe say, that's what life is all about, you know. So learn to pursue transformed relationships. Number 14, do your work well. Do your work well. Whatever God has given to you, you know, do it well as unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with the right attitude, with the right attitude. You're a student, study hard. Working, work hard, you know, so that you will have the confidence that your life is pleasing God, so that there will be no regrets in your life, so that there is you know, no you know, wasted time, if you were to say, that you have used your time profitably to be real to yourself, to say, you can be honest with yourself and say, yes, I did a good job, and then left the results up to God. Fifteen, take a weekly rest. Don't overwork yourself. The Lord tells us, isn't it, once in the week, Kena is the day of, one day in the week is the day of rest, in the day of rest. God expects us to give our bodies that physical rest, because as we rest our physical bodies, our minds, our spirits are also rested and then you know, replenished, if you were to say, 
for the week ahead. Then life becomes much more productive. If we have not learned to take that, you know, once a week rest, we find that we are overworking ourselves, overworking ourselves, trying to prove to ourselves and to others that we have immense capacity. I can do this, I can do that. But learn to take that break. Learn to take that weekly break so that your own relationship with God, your relationship with people will become much more productive. And number 16, finally, tell others about what God has done for you. Be willing to share with them your struggles that you went through and how God helped you to be real. And as you share your testimony with others, as you share with others what God is doing in your life today, now, not 20 years ago, you know, not 10 years ago, or five years ago, share with others what God is doing in your life today. And as you begin to share what God is doing, you'll find the joy of knowing, hey, this is what life is all about. And the other person will also sense, hey, there's something different about this person. This person is real. It's not that this person didn't go through any struggles. It's not that this person doesn't go through any problems. But this person is sharing about how God helped him or her with these problems. And they also then want to know this God who is real. So my prayer for each of us this week would be that our lives would show forth to others who we really are. The reality of the living God who is living inside of us. Because we are living in a fake world. A lot of people have plastic smiles on their faces, but they are going through so much of struggles inside. This week, let it be a week in which we can share with this needy world the genuine trueness reality of knowing God in our lives. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.